Into Saturday morning to everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning. Hey, Gary. How you doing, my friend? Good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Hanging in. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, this is kind of cool. Where now? Where are, are you in Connecticut? Yes, I'm just at my home office here in Connecticut. That's it. Okay. You're you sound low to me. In in my headset, I don't know if that's coming if that if it's that way over the well, air. I'm using an iPad, so I'll try to speak up so everyone can hear me just fine. Uh, but next time, I'll have a full mic as usual. Okay, okay, so that's good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So, well, uh, what can I say, Gary? Here we are once again. Technology allows us to be together, even though we may not be in the same building, but always putting out the important information for all our clients. And all of our listeners from all over. So super excited to be with you today and uh, just kind of hash everything out that's going on in the real estate market. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I uh, it, it, it's a it's a crazy market right now. Take it from a person who is uh, has been out there looking for a home. Um, but I know what I want. If, if a person doesn't care what they just want a house, you can get a house. But if you're very specific in what you're looking for with a very minimal inventory to begin with, good luck to you because uh, there's slim pickings out there as is. So what's that old expression? Beggars can't be choosers. Very slim pickings. And this is not a housing market for someone that has a lot of non-negotiables. You have to be flexible. You have to be willing to bend and turn and move and, you know, Kind of take the hand that you're dealt and understand that there's a lot of opportunity in the housing market. Maybe you can find a house and renovate it to become what you want. Or maybe you can find a house that doesn't have a pool and add a pool on, right? Yeah. I mean, all right, uh, or, or you could have one put in yourself. Right. So you buy a house that doesn't have what you want and you budget for adding it in the future. I know that you talked about that yourself with the, with the pool situation and that you really wanted a pool. But, hey, in Connecticut, finding a house with a saltwater pool is not that easy. No, but, of course, buying one with an existing pool is one price. Having one installed, my friend, is uh, <laughs> very expensive. I know, I know, but that's the type of flexibility people have to be ready for because finding a house that has all the bells and whistles, has everything you want, you know, all your non-negotiables, it's tough. It's tough in any market, but it's especially tough right now when we're at these, like, all-time low inventory levels. So I know that a lot of people have been talking to me, emailing me, reaching out to the show about a housing bust, about, like, hey, this market's going to tank. When are we going to see the prices just go to nothing so I can finally buy my dream home? And it led me to kind of go out and do some research and really think about what is the real estate cycle? When are we going to the bust? We've been seeing boom and increase. When are we going to see it go down? When are all these people that are calling for a housing crash going to actually see it? And that's what I want to show on with the real estate cycles from boom to bust, what drives all that in the context of where we're at right now in the economic cycle and in the real estate cycle. All right. So that being said, 
maybe you should start by giving us maybe a uh, like a kind of like a brief overview of the real estate market cycle and it's um and like it's different phases. Yeah, so there are four different phases in the real estate cycle. There's expansion, peak, contraction, and trough. So let me kind of take you through each one of these. And these are similar to the same cycle in the stock market after uh, you know, economic events. So during the expansion phase, this is when we see economic conditions are really favorable. The interest rate is good. There's an increased demand for real estate. Prices and sales activity just keep on going up. If this sounds familiar, this is what we've seen like in the last couple of years, mm. right? I mean, up until recently, really good interest rates. Uh, we've seen a lot of people wanting to buy homes, take advantage of that, led to this increase in demand. You see prices going up steadily, and we've seen that happening in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Now we've seen a peak. Now when we see that peak, that's going to be marked as that highest point. So we saw prices just skyrocket hit this peak, right? So that's the highest point, and that's after rapid price growth, which I'm sure price growth, especially over the last couple of years. The contraction phase is what everyone's waiting for. The contraction phase is when we start seeing that growth slow a bit, and the market gradually transitions to just being kind of like flatline, and ultimately we see prices you know, fine. There are some economists, you know, calling for a 20% housing I personally don't see it, but they're saying it's going to happen. And if you're willing to wait, you might be the beneficiary of being that contraction and allowing you to get a house at a much lower price. All right. So then, I well, like, what are some key, some key indicators that signal the start of like a of a real estate market boom? What should we be looking for? Yes. So when I'm talking to you about these factors, think about the market in like 2019 and then into 2020, 2021, because this is what we saw, right? Increasing home sales. All of a sudden, there's lines down the street for people wanting to buy homes. Everybody's trying to get in. Mm -hmm. The prices are going up. Multiple offers. Declining inventory. Less people are listing their homes for sale. Low unemployment rates. Favorable lending conditions. Now, I'll speak on that favorable lending conditions because some would say right now the lending conditions are unfavorable, but I would disagree because we had super low government subsidized interest rates for several years. And now that we've seen the rates kind of normalize, as we talked about on quite a few shows, people think it's too high, but it's really just normalized now. The current 30 year interest rate in the Evans, that's the normal rate in the last 30 years. So even though the last 10, 15 have been super low, we got to zoom out a bit. Yeah, but nobody wants it. Nobody wants a seven when their family, their friends, their coworkers, they all had it. And I'm not talking about the 1.9s and the 2.9s. I know that was, I know that was an anomaly from the COVID, but they're looking at, you know, 3.9, 4.9, um, Maybe even into the mid fives. I think once you start getting into five point nine six, Gary, you are so right. Everybody is waiting for this. It's such a huge amount of people. But here's the thing: 
I don't want to burst your bubble, but we're not going back to 3.9. Not without some ridiculous pandemic or World War III, okay? That's all that's going to drive us back to those ultra-low rates. So if you or anybody listening is going to sit there and be waiting for 3.9, 4.9, anything in those super-low rates, you're going to be waiting and waiting and waiting and missing out. Just like the people that were waiting in 2017 and 2018. And then look what happened, right? So I'm not saying it's wrong to want to wait, but I'm saying that you're not going to accomplish your goals by waiting because the interest rate is only one small part of the transaction. And when everybody's waiting for the same thing, what's going to happen if we hit 4.9 or 3.9? All right. So, all right. So let's take that into consideration. All right. So let's say it stays at 7%. Well, I can't have a high asking price of a house and a high interest rate. I have to I can have one, but not both. And the prices of housing is is not going down. So I'm gonna get less house at seven percent because what I can afford, what totally my mortgage agree. advisor tells me I can afford yes. is what my mortgage advisor tells me I can afford. So I'm gonna end up living in a shack at seven percent rather than a nice three bedroom house at three point nine. Okay, but what if you lived in that shack at 7% for a year and then refinanced it to a reasonable payment? But uh, refinance it to what? You said the rates aren't going to go down. No, but if they go, let's say, to 5.9 from 7, I'd say that's a good refinance opportunity. Bring your payment down a couple hundred bucks a month. You know, I mean, your sentiment, Gary, is what so many people, I would say the majority of potential homebuyers feel the way that you feel you're one of them right so this sentiment that you're telling me is what everyone's saying and you're right but the fact that you're right means that when the rates do tick down even a little bit we're going to see a huge increase in prices because everyone's going to come in so just be ready for that you're waiting for the low rates be ready for the prices to keep going up if you're willing to bite the bullet at a six seven eight percent rate now and get a decent home know that you're going to have a refinance opportunity. Might it be a year from now? Might it be a couple years from from now? But it's going to happen. You can only buy the house once, but you can get that mortgage when you when it makes sense, I say, when it's favorable. So everyone that's waiting is going to miss the bus. Like, we can play this episode back in five years and say, do you wish you bought a house in 2023 when the rates were seven? And I'm thinking you're going to come back and say yes, because the rates could keep going up, they could kick down, but the prices is what I see being supported. I, I prices, understand. I, I understand your perspective. Supply and demand. I understand. And that's why there's so many people waiting and so many people ready to pay the high rate because when it goes down, they're all going to be wanting to refi, and the ones that didn't get in, they're going to be missing out and willing to pay anything to be able to buy that home. All right, so if I sold BMWs, and let's just, for the sake of this example, let's say I've got five, all the same make and model in year. They're all 2024s, brand new, no miles on them. I've got five of them. Same make, same model. And I sold your friends and families and neighbors. I sold four of them for all the same price. And I'll buy that, that fifth one, that last one, I'm going to sell it to you, but I'm going to sell it to you for, you know, 20% more. That's fine because you're selling it to me years later, not the same day. Well, you still, I, it's like I could get the same thing 
I could. I guess. I guess timing is everything. You can't. There's nothing in this world you can get today for way cheaper than you could get years ago, right? True. Especially in the financial world. Well, even your groceries. I mean, look at that. I mean, or, or go to Target or Walmart or, or or a box store. You're right. It's three times the amount of what it was a couple of years ago. But mortgages and mortgage payments are not three times. Housing prices are not three no, times. No. Yeah, they're up a lot. They're absolutely unbelievably high. Compared to what? Compared to a stagnant market in Connecticut for decades. You know, and that we're going to dive into as well because real estate is local. So we're talking about the local market here. There are areas of the country, few and far between, but there are some areas actually experiencing a decline right now, seeing those lower prices. All right. So during a boom, how do rising home prices impact both buyers and sellers? Well, for sellers, it's going to be getting more money for your properties, higher profits, right? But buyers are impacted negatively because of what you just said. There's going to be challenges, increased competition, as we've seen, higher prices, and higher mortgage payments. So as you alluded to, Gary, you're paying a lot of money per month for what maybe a few years ago would have gotten you a lot more house. And that's a tough pill to swallow, especially for someone that maybe has been in the real estate market for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've been off and on dabbling, looking at things, and you compare what you could have gotten in 2019 or 2020 to what you're going to get today for the same payment or the same, uh, even just the same price. It's completely different night and day and really, really frustrating. So realize that with the inc- increasing competition and everything going on with that, it's essential if you're a buyer, you've got to be decisive right now because of the competition. you got to act swiftly, and you need to know your budget. As you mentioned, Gary, you need to know what your monthly payment's going to be and stick with it and go with it and know that you your wealth team have calculated and figured this out to make it work for the long term. But I know it can be scary staring $3,000, a month mortgage payment in the face when you've only been spending maybe one or 2000 for rent, but that's the reality of an increasing and an escalating housing market like we're in. So then what factors contribute to, let's say, to the peak of the real estate market cycle? And how can buyers and investors I, I even identify it? So the peak is what everyone really wants to be able to look behind and go, yeah, we, we came from there. We left the peak and we're headed down, right? They want to see that high point and us go down. And in some areas we have. So peaks are going to occur when the demand exceeds the supply. And when the demand exceeds the supply and the prices rise rapidly, then you're going to all of a sudden start seeing some, like, leveling out, right? Mm. Signs of the peak mean that there's speculative buying. You'll see people that'll be like, I'll do anything to buy a home. I don't care what it costs. Right. And they're literally tripping over each other to buy a house. That's speculation. Excessive price growth. And uh, one example of this is like you'll look on an online search site and you'll see somebody bought a house for 400000 three months ago. And they're reselling that house for four hundred for four fifty or 500 just like a few months later. And they've done nothing to it, right? That's ridiculous. And that's excessive price growth. And and we've seen that in some areas, too. You're also going to, during a peak, hear a lot from media about real estate. It's going to be a constant storm of media frenzy about, you know, the real estate market and price growth and everyone's buying. And buyers and investors need to be especially cautious 
because the time of extreme optimism is the time when you should be most fearful, right? Because we're turning a corner and everyone wants to know, like, are we in this right now in Connecticut? Are we at that peak where we're going to be going down or is there still more price growth to come? And I think, as you mentioned, Gary, a lot of it has to do with finance and interest rates. If we see interest rates come down even a little bit to, you know, five and a half, six, six and a half percent, I think you'll see a bunch of buyers come in and continue to drive prices higher. But if we see the interest rates continue to escalate, maybe towards the eight percent range or higher, I think that's where you're going to see more buyers kind of get out and say, hey, sideline for now, and I'm going to wait. This is just too much for me. So as the market transitioned from, let's say, boom to a, a downturn, uh, I would imagine there's ch- challenges that sellers typically are going to be facing. Sellers are really the one that face a huge challenge and a, a real conundrum when it comes to the real estate market contracting because during this transition, sellers think they know what they're doing. They think they have their house priced right, Mm -hmm. but they don't. So they're going to struggle with longer days on the market. Maybe before a house would sell in, you know, a week or two. Now, during this time that we're talking about from boom to downturn, you're going to see homes stay on the market a lot longer, maybe months, right? Reduce buyer interest. Maybe you always had a lot of people coming in, buying homes, looking at homes. All of a sudden, real estate experts real estate professionals will say we didn't have as many people at that open house we only had a couple people come through we're seeing reduced demand there and price reductions i'd say the telltale sign of coming out of a boom into you know that cycle where we're coming past the peak is going to see reductions in prices you know it could be five or ten thousand or it could be substantial forty fifty thousand or more but seeing those price reductions is going to mean that we pass that peak And to navigate successfully, especially for a seller, you really want to make sure you've got a good realtor that has a lot of experience because this time in the market, if you get caught off guard or you don't do your right diligence and have the right team, you could end up losing tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars because you're going to be chasing the market instead of being ahead of the market. And that's really, really what you want. So set your expectations accordingly and make sure you're using the best market strategies for that contracting market as a home set. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can reach Rob very easily. All you need to do is head online to robgw.com. It's that simple. Or you can pick up your telephone and give him a buzz. Set up a Set up an appointment. Do that. The phone number is 860-413-3938. I'll repeat both those points of contact as well as an email address more towards the end of the show. How does a real estate market bust differ from, let's say, a recession? Uh, and, And really, and what are the effects on the homeowner? So a market bust is going to be a significant decline in home prices, which normally comes from the speculation we were discussing, the Mm -hmm. bubble uh, bursting and that sort of thing. And a real estate bust can definitely contribute to a recession, but it isn't the same thing. So homeowners during a bust can really have a lot of issues with their properties because they'll see the the values declining, right? So that's going to make it really challenging to refinance your home or sell your home. You might even be in a position where you owe more on your home than it's worth. 
if you're in an area where the prices have come down enough. So it's really an unfortunate thing because during a recession, typically interest rates come down and that's going to create great refi opportunities. But if prices are down too, you might forego being able to refinance if your home value has dropped 20, 30, 40% or more, because you might again, owe more on your home than it's worth. Okay. Let me just say though, the last time this happened around 2007, 2009, that timeline, the government stepped in and they created a affordable refinancing program that allowed people that owed more on their home than it was worth to still refinance. So while that's not know. guaranteed, that is what happened during the last recession that we had where home values plummeted. The government did intervene to help out. Now realize that a recession is defined by two quarters of GDP, which are uh, of no growth, right? of no growth, right? Right, falling GDP. So like by some indications, we're already in a recession you know, this year and last year, but the government is always changing around those guidelines. <laughs> so realize that housing typically either it leads us into recession, but it also typically leads us out because of low interest rates and the government uh, intervention, government stimulus that can help with the housing market getting back on its feet. Are there strategies um, that buyers can utilize or employ in order to find opportunities, let's like in a down market? Definitely. You know, in a down market, it's like there's blood in the street. So I know it sounds crazy right now because right now we're in such an expanding market. But I'll tell you, during these contracting markets we're talking about, it doesn't look like you think it looks right. Nobody wants to buy real estate. It's a really negative doom and gloom time. And media, again, is feeding in with all this. But what buyers can do, because I bought my first property in 2007. Okay, so I bought Mm. during a huge downturn and I also bought from a distressed home builder. So I have a little bit of experience in this. But what I've seen with my personal clients that have gone through this as well is focusing on thorough research. Research is so important because during one of these downturns, there's a lot of properties on the market. There's a lot of people trying to get you to buy their home. So you got to do a lot more research to figure out where's the good deal. Negotiating is also huge in these downturns because you have the ability to negotiate better terms. Whereas today, a lot of things are non-negotiable, right? You can't ask for that much. So seeking distressed properties is a big thing because everyone even today asks, where can I get that foreclosed home? Where can I get that short sale? Because they know that those homes have lower prices. But these properties are abundant during a downturn. There's a lot of distressed all right, but well, hold on a second, Rob. Let's say I buy a foreclosed property, distressed, to use your term, and, and foreclosed, and uh, I don't know. I'm going to keep it really. The number is pretty simple for two hundred thousand, but it needs one hundred thousand dollars of remodeling. And so, can I? How do I do that? Do I have to just apply for a three thousand dollar mortgage? But it's really a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage. No, we would do a rehab loan. There's multiple rehab loans. We've done a whole episode about rehab and repair, you know, loans. Right. So that's what we would do is basically have you apply for a rehab loan that would give you the cost of the property as well as a percentage of the rehabilitation as well. It's not going to be no money down. There's going to be some down payment and and skin in the game, but it'll definitely get you what you need. So those rehab loans are amazing during these downturns because there's so many properties that need work. So like, the FHA 203K, the Fannie Mae Homestyle, and some of the other products, 
get into really big demand because people really need those in order to get a property to up to speed, feel good, feel safe in their investment. All right. So I guess there's lessons that we can learn from the past real estate market cycles. You mentioned 2008, you know, for you. That was really the last big one that we saw. Everyone will be familiar with that 2008 crash. You know, like I said, that's around when I bought my first property and took advantage of it. Right. Uh, Really, that last crash, what it taught us was to be very careful when it comes to lending and mortgages, uh, lending practices, risk management, and understanding market dynamics. So to give you some context, a lot of people leading up to the 08 crash, they took out mortgages that were considered adjustable rate or exotic mortgages like option arm loans and just other exotic loans that we don't have anymore. They were told that they could refinance and that would be their exit strategy. They were told that they'd be able to sell their home easily and that's how they would get out of the the mortgage that they were in. What ended up happening though is they couldn't sell their home. They couldn't refinance because of the values coming down. So we learned and a lot of people have stories. Maybe even you know people that went through losing their home, having a foreclosure, needing to do a short sale so that they wouldn't lose their property. And that all came about by reckless lending practices. I'll tell you that the mortgage industry has learned a lot because we don't see these adjustable rates much anymore. We don't see any exotic loans like hybrid option on pickup pay loans. Those aren't even available anymore. And we're talking about decades since the crash. I don't really see those becoming available anytime soon. So I think there's a permanent mark on the industry and a permanent lesson at least it's going to be there for you know the next several years. All right, I'm uh, running out of time. So much, uh, so much risk. Let me just ask you if you can give me a, a short answer. I've got just one final question for you, and it really has to do with the context of of a market downturn. What role do you think the government policies and regulations are playing? Government is huge in real estate in America. They're so involved, as we saw with the COVID, you know, rate buy downs and them getting involved with all that. So government policies influence real estate because they're trying to stabilize the market during a downturn. So we mentioned in 08, 09, they put in these uh, refinance programs. I think it was around 2011 or 2012, they put in government tax incentives to buy homes for first time buyers. So the government policies can really help stimulate the market. And I know it may sound crazy right now from where we are, but a couple of years from now, we might really look back and listen to this with an extra ear because everything I'm talking about, it's just a cycle and it's going to happen. All right. I may hold you to that. Folks, you've been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show. Let me give you some info as far as how you can reach Rob Weinberg. Pretty easily, actually. Head online to www.robgw.com. Robgw. By the way, if you've got a question that you'd like to have answered, maybe even right here on these very airwaves, very easy to take care of that as well. Simply email us at mortgagemattersradioshow at gmail.com. And the phone number, because I know you're going to want to make a consultation with Rob. Uh, Write this number down and give him a buzz. 860-413-3938. Let me repeat that for you. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long.